Listen, we're going to run our race for the Lord. Ain't nothing going to break our stride. Amen. Y'all know that song, right? Did you recognize it? Yeah. I just, and some of y'all weren't born. <laughs> and some of y'all were too old when it came out. So, <clears throat> Anyway, no offense, Carol. I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, welcome, welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, uh, we did Fall Fest, our, our Halloween thing, on... Uh, on Tuesday, it seems like a month ago or so, and, uh, and we had over 500 people that came out here to the, so great, and, and thousands and thousands of smiles, and uh, I was amazed. You know, we didn't spend any money marketing, and still, somehow, it was marketed very, very well. On, uh, on Tuesday morning, I, I made a post in our, our like church group, and I said, hey, Everyone share this in all the groups you're part of and share it on your Facebook. And that was all we did. And every person that I asked out there, like I was walking around just talking to everybody, and every person I asked, like, how did you find out about this event? Oh, Facebook. It's like, good, because we spent a lot of zero dollars on that marketing <laughs> there. So it, it really worked. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for those of you that served. Thank you for those of you that gave candy. Thank you, thank you for those of you that prayed. Um, it was a very, very successful event. It was, and, and it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? So anyway, um, so let's, go, let's do this culture update. Um, if, you, uh, if you're following along with, the, with world events, please, please, please pray for the innocent people and, um, and especially lift up the Christians in the Middle East, that, uh, that they would be able to be the light in a very dark situation and that they would, uh, that they would preach the gospel with, with zero fear. Um, and the Lord would protect them. And, uh, and so what, can we continue to be a church that lifts those people up? Okay, so thank you. Now, I need to, I need to kind of do a different thing for our culture update today. Um, I'm going to do a Life Church New Braunfels culture update, um, our culture of our church. So um, first of all, if you call this church your home and you don't know what this is, then I'm just going to let you in a little secret. This is a member. It's how you become a member here. Um, if this is not your church, if you go to church somewhere else, fine. Hey, welcome. Glad. Go back to your church. And uh, <laughs> I mean that in the nicest way I can say that. Uh, but if, if you call this church your church, then I need you to, to take one of these cards. They're out there in the, in the foyer and the information, they're, they're sitting just like this. Take one of these cards and go home and read it and see if you agree with who we are as a church and uh, there's a lot of things on there. If you have questions, then message me or call me or come and talk to me, and I can answer your questions. And if this is your home, then I want you to, uh, to pray about joining and becoming uh, a member of the church. Now, to be clear, membership does not have any privileges. There's only one thing you have to be a member for, and that's we're going to elect some church council members in January. Um, and so you can vote on that if that's just a really big deal to you. Um, we, have, we have this different way that we vote here. We actually count the ballots the same day. And then, like, you'll know who won the same day. Uh, we don't do, uh, and we also don't have any ballot stuffing. And anyway, I could go on and on about this. So um, become, become a member. Uh, and also... It's funny, like you, you, you don't get any benefits. It's not like you get a special chair or you get a special parking spot if you're a member or a tither or whatever. You don't, you don't get any special things for that. As a matter of fact, the more you get integrated into our, our culture of Life Church and who we are, the less you'll want a special spot for yourself and the more you'll think, let me give this to, to someone else. This is, someone else should have my, my great seat. Someone else should have my great parking spot. And you'll purposely park further away. So other people can bark closer. But, but uh, anyway, that's not for you, maybe. Anyway, you know the Kermit the Frog meme. So anyway, uh, last month, October, was Pastor Appreciation Month. Let me tell you what I feel about Pastor Appreciation Month. <laughs> it's gross. It's just gross. Um, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, and I mean this in all sincerity, not one person in our church said thank you. They gave, no, no person gave me pastor appreciation because it was pastor appreciation month. You guys love me, and I know that, and I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, but I am called 
to, this is a life church culture update, okay? I am called by God to the shared life of appointment of what he has called me to do. I'm sharing that with all of you. You are all also called. I'm not trying to be humble. I'm not trying to be like, look, look how humble I am, God. I'm trying to be like Jesus. That's it. That's all I want my life to be about is I want to be like Jesus. Jessica and I appreciate the people who are here to serve, which is you, and I'm going to make you feel bad about that in a minute. So um, life church people are real, authentic, complex, complicated, knuckleheads, willing to explore the prize of the high calling that they have been given in Christ. Like all believers, you are called. And you understand that. If this is your church, you know that you were called here to this place for this time. And, and, and that's, a, that's a huge deal. The calling not only that, that we're all called, but you have a unique calling on your life. You have unique things that God has put into your heart, unique abilities that there are things that come easy for you that other people could work a lifetime and never be as good as you at it. And that's because you've been given gifts by God to do some things that you do. So Pastor Appreciation Month is an indication of how far the church has fallen Or, or maybe better said, and I'm not trying to bash churches that do that. If that's your thing, man, if you, if you, want, to, if you want to be a person that, that's like honoring pastors, then you're just like, you're at the wrong church. Like, I, I dare you to try to honor me in some way. I will punch you in the face. Like, I, I'm, no, I'm not worthy of honor. Jesus is worthy of honor. Let's give him all the honor and the praise and the glory. The Pastor Appreciation Month... Maybe it's not how far the church has fallen. Maybe it's just how much the church has become like the culture. Maybe the, the church has just become too much like the world where the people in leadership need to be highly exalted and honored and loved and, and cherished and, and told that they're doing great. That's just not how we do things, okay? That's not the life church culture. Our church has been uniquely, uniquely called and equipped to bring people back to Jesus. When we moved here, we thought... We're going out there to get people saved. And of course, we're here to get people saved. That's, I mean, that's all of us Christians. That's why we're here. We're still about getting people saved. But I can tell you, Life Church has uniquely brought a lot of people back to church that maybe even swore they would never go to church again. Because at another church, they were used and abused. They were burnt out. They were beat up. They were brought down. And maybe other churches or other pastors or other church leaders or other church staff or, or just other church members have, have beat them down. And they said, you know what? I'm not go, ever going back to church again. And then they limped into our doors. And they said, wait a minute. There's something different going on here. There, God's doing something here. And let me just be the first one to tell you, we're not nailing it. We're missing it in a lot of areas. But in one, pl- one way we get it right is we're healthy. Like we're healthy followers of Christ. We're, we're missing it. But the thing, the difference in us, and I'm going to talk about this again later, but the difference in us and maybe other places is we know we're messed up and we admit that we're messed up <laughs> and we know we're not yet there and we are striving to get there, wherever there is. And there is Jesus. <laughs> There is heaven, and we're striving to be like that. We're not getting it all right, but we're healthy believers because we know that, that as long as we're submitting to him, when we mess up, we get up, we dust ourselves off, and we start running again because we have a race to run in. And what we're doing is very, very important, not just for the people in the room, but for the people that are out there. It's important that we continue to be a light in the community. Are you all with me? Okay. I need you with me because... All of that being said, become a member. Jess and I love you, and we are sharing the serving with you. We are serving you, and uh, our church is uniquely equipped to call believers back to church, and the people that have been burnt out and and overused at other places, uh, that they come here and they get healthy again. Now's the time where I'm going to challenge you. We're doing the same thing here that happens at other places. We're burning out some of our workers. They're being overused. They're, they're serving and they're doing it with, with humble hearts, wanting to serve the Lord and wanting to serve your children and wanting to serve you as you come in. We need 
if this is your church, I'm not asking for people, it's not your church. We need more people, you, to serve alongside of them. Not so that we can give our workers that are ones that are working really hard, not so they can have a week off, it's so that the load can be shared. The heaviness, the, the, the burden of ministry. Those kids are so bad. <laughs> we need you to come and help. There are many of you who are like, ah, I don't know, I can't work with kids. I don't need you. I'm not asking you to, to pray about, am I called, Lord, to go and serve? Yes, yes. The Lord told me to tell you, yes. Now, in all seriousness, there are some of you who can't work in the children's department for, for multiple different reasons, but there's some of you that just can't. That's fine. We have plenty of other opportunities for you available. But for the other 98% of you, you can go and stand. You know how uh, skilled a scarecrow is in a cornfield? Can you do this? That's literally what we need some of you adults to do in the kids' department. You don't have to teach. You don't have to like, figure out how to preach the gospel to, to, to seven-year-olds. Like, that's, that is a unique calling. Okay? You maybe are not uniquely called that. We just need you to go stand in there and make sure they don't stab each other. Like, make sure that they don't stab each other or any of our, our few workers that we have. If one of them gets, goes down because a kid attacked them, like, so I'm going to have to go in there and teach. And that, nobody wants that, okay? No, none of the kids want it, and I don't want it, okay? But I will do it, and we'll just stand, y'all will sit here and watch it on the screen. Wait a minute, that could be fun. Life kids need more people. We need more people in the kids' department especially. To uh, the, the weight that is there is already difficult for the people that are there, and they're working week in and week out. But it's increasing. The weight is increasing as more and more people come. I met with some pastors this past week, and they were talking about Pastor Appreciation Month. And I told them, I gave them that emoji in their faces. Um, because most pastors are like, yes, thank you so much. And, and I appreciate that you appreciate me. I'm rolling my eyes, okay? I appreciate you appreciate me. Great. Okay, I'm working here. <laughs> like, I'm serving here. I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to outserve you. And some of you, that's very, very difficult because you pour yourself out. And so I'm just trying to serve more than you. That's all. I'm just, it's a competition to me. I turn it into a competition, and then I can do it. So, um, but the other pastors, we were talking about, they were talking about how it's really important that we take we take uh, these, these large times off because for our mental health and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, I just don't see it like that. I just don't see it like that. I'm, I'm coming to serve. And they're like, well, we're shepherds of blah, blah. And I go, hold up. You're not a shepherd? You think you're a shepherd? A pastor's not a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And if a pastor will understand, you know what you are? You're a sheep with a louder bell maybe. But you're a sheep. You're nothing but a sheep. I know that I'm a sheep. I'm, there's nothing special about me except I'm louder. And the Lord has called me and anointed me to do what I'm doing. So I'm a sheep with a loud bell. That's it. Follow me as I follow Christ. Sheep will do this thing where they get territorial and they bite each other. And they like say, no, this is my area. You can't sit on my row. Let me find out y'all are doing that, okay? Just let me find out. I'm, not a, I'm, a, I'm a loud sheep, and I'll be loud, and I will use you in as, a, as an example in the sermon. Don't make me do that. But when, we're talk, when these pastors were talking about carrying the load, and we have to, you have to take breaks when you're carrying the load of the church, I don't do that. I don't need a break because I... I genuinely, this is so much fun for me, guys. If you knew how much fun I was having, you would make me pay you to be your pastor because I am thoroughly enjoying this. Other, the other pastors that I talked to this week were not. I mean, they were, they know that they're called and they are, but they're carrying, I don't carry your problems. I don't carry other sheep's problems. I have plenty of sheep problems of my own. So at night, I, I lay them back at the feet of the good shepherd and I say, good shepherd, you have to be the one to take care of these things. And then in the morning, I'll pick them back up again and say, hey, look, here's the problems. They were still waiting on me to pick them up again. I sleep fine. When I finally go to sleep, I sleep fine. But what we need to understand is we are a group that we're uniquely called to do the things that we're called to do, and, and nobody else can do them. 
if this is your church, you have been given the abilities. And if you can scarecrow in a kid's room, we need you to scarecrow in a kid's room. Just stand there and, and be a help. Because what we do in kids' church is not babysitting. We don't babysit. We train up ministers. Because the, the schools that your kids are going into, they need ministers. They need people that are going to be uh, preaching the truth everywhere, all the time. And, and it's not like it was when we were in school where we were protected. Those kids are going in unprotected. They have to be the ones. Yeah, imagine a third grader having to be the one to bring the light to a, to a, a classroom. A third grader. Like, you, and they have to be trained up because they will get demolished under that weight if they're not trained. So kids' church is more than babysitting. They are being trained to be warriors, and they are having to go in and fight. And I need you to come help with that, with that burden. So if this is your church, the Lord brought you here, then please um, join up. And I'm, I'm particularly asking for, for help in Life Kids, but as you know, I say it every week, we're starting a third service in January so that more people can come in. And we need, you know, it takes 28 people to run one of our services. So in first service, 28 people. In second service, 28 people. In our afternoon service, it's going to take 28 people. Right now we have zero people serving in the afternoon service because we don't have it yet. But soon we will, and we'll need 28 people. You know, in first service, there are people that served in first service that are also serving in this service right now because we don't have enough people. They have to serve in both services. I don't like that. Everybody should be able to come to church. And they don't get to come to church because they're serving in both services. Stacy served our kids for so long, and she hardly ever got to come to church. It breaks my heart. We, guys, we, we have the ability to do it. There are, are plenty of people to do it. And I need you to step up because the Lord will not continue to send sheep to our pen if we can't handle the sheep that we already have. I need y'all to be with me. So I pray that you will join with our kids. I pray that you will join our worship team. If you can play an instrument, you don't have to play well. I mean, obviously, but you don't have to play. <laughs> I said that in first service, and they thought it was funny. These, our guys are really good, aren't they? Our worship team is outstanding. So except for Todd, they all are really like, they, they, they got it down. So, um, it's, so if you can wor- sing... We'll tell you if you're a bad singer. We'll be like, oh, you should do the words on the computer when you come and try out to sing. Um, but if you can do any of this, if you can be security. Some of you should not be security, but um, I mean safety team. Sorry, it's not security. It's safety team. Um, you, you just need to join up because we need more people. And we need people to do food service. We need people to be greeters. We need people to do all the things. So as we continue to grow, I just ask you, will you join us? Will you like join us for real? You've been coming here. Okay, you've been testing out the waters. You're done testing. You need to get to work now. Okay? Amen? Amen. All right. So, previously on the Gospel of John, we are in the final night of Jesus' life on earth. And uh, Jesus has been training up his disciples, and he's been challenging them, and he's been equipping them for the tough days that are ahead. And they are going to be tough days for the disciples. And now he stops. All of chapter 17 is he's, he's praying. And I told you last week, um, that there's basically three sections of his prayer. The first part, Jesus praying for himself. The second part, Jesus is praying for the disciples. And the third part, Jesus is literally praying for you, like people of the church, the future church today. So I said, so chapter 17 will be only three weeks long. I lied to you. Because as I started to prepare the sermon, this week we're going to do three verses. And it's your fault because y'all listen slow, Okay. <laughs> So Jesus, uh, today, John 17, 6 through 8, I promise you, you're going to love it though. So Jesus is praying for his disciples. If you want to follow along in your Bible, or you can follow along in your Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, Uh, we actually put the notes in there every week so you can follow along. So uh, John, uh, chapter 17, verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. When he says, I have manifested your name, he's like, I have made your name visible. A person's name often describes their character. 
Sometimes, like, you ever wonder how that works? Like, in the Bible, you can see people like this guy named Nabal. Nabal means fool. And this, this fool was the guy that criticized and refused to help David when he was fleeing from Saul. Like, he could not have been better named. Fool. There are people, like, my name means, my name Randall, in case you're wondering, Randall Dwayne. Not Dwayne, Dwayne, okay? In case you're wondering how, how ghetto I am. So, Randall Dwayne, every time I'm in trouble, if, if my middle name is used, I know I'm about to get beat. I earn it, but I'm about to get beat. So, my name Randall actually means shield. If you know me, I, that describes me so well. Whenever you see those things where um, in California or Chicago or Detroit or Baltimore or D.C. or th- there's a theme here. Um, if you see, or Austin, where people go into the stores and they start gathering stuff. If I'm in those stores, guys, I'm dying. I'm going to get killed that day because I'm going to tackle somebody. Like I'm got, because I can't watch these things go on. I cannot tell you how many times I have literally been in a fist fight with someone that I had not ever spoken to 10 seconds before because they were, they were berating someone and, and in a very aggressive manner. And I'm like, hey, 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 calm down there, buddy. What's wrong with you? When I'm in a store and someone's yelling at their child and I feel like the child is physically threatened, like two months ago, there was a guy outside of a nail salon. And he was, I was walking into Mod Pizza here in town. And <laughs> you can't hear this on the podcast, but someone gasped. I don't know if it was a good gasp for Mod Pizza or a bad one. But so I'm walking into Mod Pizza, and there's a guy two doors down, and he is yelling. He has got one hand on the table, and he's yelling at a lady in her face like this. And I said, Hey, buddy, you okay? And then I walked over, and the guy was bigger than me, but. I mean, obvious I could take him. So. <laughs> so I walk over and I said, ma'am, are you okay? And he's like, hey, don't worry about her. And I said, uh, you need to worry about you, buddy. And so I just, I get involved, okay? I'm just, because I'm a shield. My name means shield. And it is who I am through and through. It is who I am. The guy in the Bible, David, I didn't kill him, in case you're wondering. Okay. <laughs> we would have all seen that on the news. <laughs> David means beloved, David, in the Bible, David is known as a man after God's own heart, the beloved by God. When Moses is, uh, Moses wants to know God better, God actually defines his name for him. In Exodus, it says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Doesn't that describe God? That is who he is to his core. It is odd to me that we can, people can think of God as like the Old Testament God was a God of justice and he was angry and cranky and he was wanting to kill people and he was always judgmental. And then we think of the God of the New Testament as love. God is love, guys. God is love, absolutely. And in his justice, he is love. He is the same God. He has never changed and he never will change. God is first merciful, gracious, patient and just and kind and loving and long-suffering for your sake. That is who God is. Christians, a lot of times, give, they leave the wrong impression about who God is on people. Um, and that was the problem that Jesus said with the Pharisees often. He said, uh, we began to say, or Jesus began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. The Pharisees were the ultra-religious group. The Pharisees knew the Bible better than anybody else. So wouldn't you think the Pharisees would be the ones who would give people a correct impression of who God is and how God is and what God looks like. If anybody should have been able to do it, it should have been those people, right? But they were caught up in hypocrisy. They were hiding the filth in their own hearts and they were constantly criticizing what Jesus was doing because Jesus was displaying what God really is like. And the Pharisees were like, no, they could not relinquish their power. Because people had to approach God through them because of the system that they set up. 
And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. There's another way. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen God. Because the way the Pharisees lived is, is the opposite of what God was like. Don't you hate it when people don't get your name right? Don't you hate it when people call you the wrong name? Like everybody hates that. You know, the number one thing that people like to hear is their own name. They like to be, you can, look, you can pretend like you're like, no, I just don't want to be seen. I just want people just to, I just want to hang out back here and nobody say nothing to me. No, no. When someone talks to you and they call you by your name, especially when it's someone you didn't know knew you, you feel seen. You feel like people care. You feel, lo- and maybe you're someone that says, you know, I'm just not really good with it. Listen, if this is you, do not raise your hand. I'm purposely not going to look because you're probably going to raise your hand anyway. If this is you, if you're someone that says, you know, I'm just not good with names, like, you know, you're, you're basically saying, you know, I just don't care enough to, to actually, I just don't care enough about people to actually put forth the effort to remember their name. You shouldn't be like that. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be like that. You should, and I'm talking to myself too. There are some of you in this room that I should know your name, okay, and I don't. And it's not because I don't care about you, even though I just said that's why. <laughs> if you get someone's name wrong, it just means you don't really know them. Um, I've, I, multiple times in my life, I called people by the wrong name for a very long time, years. I called them, and they never corrected me. And then, in the end, it wasn't them that was mad. It was me that was mad. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me, Jennifer? That your name is Jessica all this time. <laughs> it's Jennifer and Jessica. It's always Jennifer and Jessica. Like my wife gets called Jennifer so often. So Jesus gave people the correct impression of God. He manifested, he showed what God's name was, what God is like. And so um, think about the things just in this last few hours of Jesus' life. Think about the things that we've seen God, of, of Jesus displaying what God is like. When we see humility, God is humble. We see Jesus washing the defeat of the disciples. Whenever I see what a pastor is supposed to be like, I look at Jesus, and Jesus washed feet. He served. That's what he was about. He was about serving. So that's what I try to be like. And he shows that God is humble. When he shows that God is love, he said, look, a new command I give you, that you would love one another. Because just the way that I've loved you, because if you love one another, the world outside will see that you love one another and they will know that you belong to me. So what I think is like one of the most ironic things about church is that people in a church cannot like other people in the same church. I always say to them, like, like, I just don't like those people over there that sit in that section over there. I don't want to point because I don't like people that sit in that section. Like, there's, there's just people over there, I just don't like them. It's like, you know that you're going to be in heaven with, for all eternity with those same people that you are saying you don't like? Can you imagine sitting at the banquet table in heaven right next to that person that you said you just despise? And you're going to be like, can you pass the green beans? <laughs> and they're going to be like, no, you said you didn't like me. No, they'll say, I forgive you, I guess, because I didn't like you either. Like, you're going to be with these people for all eternity, so whatever the issue is that you're facing, get over it. We have a mission here. There are people in our church that don't like other people in our church. It's not that many, honestly. It's really not. Um, but they just need to get to know you better, <laughs> right? And then they won't like you. It's probably not true, actually, because gonna, you're going to find out as we, as we grow together, that we're all pretty messed up. And you think you're the worst? You're probably not. Only one of you is right. There's only one worst person, and all the rest are not, at least they're not that person. Like we're all, as we're growing together, we're, we find out that, oh, look, I thought those beautiful people at church, I thought they all had it down. They don't, guys, they don't. They don't. And you think, you're, I'll get it right eventually, and then I'll be able to really, then I'll be able to serve the kids once I figure out how. No, no, you're not going to get it right. Actually, by serving is how you start to get it right. It's this crazy thing that happens. So we see Jesus in, in his sacrifice. He said, greater love has no one than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. And I call you friends. 
when you obey my commands. I call you friends. Jesus has correctly manifested God's name and shown us what it's like, what God truly is like. In verse 7 and 8, it says, Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to, I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. And they have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So whenever he says that I have, uh, I, I have given them, it's, it's rhema. It's like this, this pouring out, the words that are uttered, it's, it's pouring out. So God has poured his words into Jesus, and Jesus in turn pours himself out, and he pours his words out onto the disciples. That's what happens when you serve. If you are doing it rightly, if you're not doing it in your own power, the Holy Spirit fills you up, and you serve, and you pour yourself out. And then as you pour yourself out, you turn back and you get filled again and you pour yourself out and you get filled again and you pour yourself. You're never, you'll run out of juice, you'll run out of power, you'll run out of ability as soon as the Holy Spirit does. When when is he going to run out of of ability? When is he going to run out of strength? So if you find yourself burning out, if you find yourself running out of energy, look, life is hard. If you're, if you're running out of energy, sometimes that happens. You physically run out of energy. First of all, work out. Secondly, eat right. Third, be filled with the Holy Spirit and you serve from that spot. If you'll serve from being poured out, you're pouring out what the Lord has given you and you're being refilled. It's so important that you're being refilled. And, you're, and, and you don't have to, that doesn't mean I have to take one week off a month like just to be focused on me. Or if you're a pastor, I have to take one month off a year for my sabbatical. Like, okay, if we can go a month without me around here, y'all don't need me, okay? So, oh, I don't have to be out for a month. you be like, let's find a new pastor. <laughs> Pour out what you are given. And the really cool thing about that is you get something fresh and new every time you're refilled. It's fresh and living water. That's how we do it here at Life. You are being refilled and you're pouring out and you're being refilled and you're pouring out and you're being refilled and, and you'll never get tired of that. That's why I'm having so much fun because the Holy Spirit's doing this amazing thing and I get to just be like, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more and I get to pour it out and I just keep getting, it's, it's so much fun. As Jesus is being poured into, he's pouring out, being poured into and he's pouring out. Jesus is not just giving an explanation of where his teachings come from, like the Lord is giving, is speaking to me. He is actually setting the example by the way that he is living. Jesus received the things he taught from God, and then he passed them on to his disciples. But that's not just something that's unique to Jesus. But this should be an example to every Christian teacher. If you've ever spoken or taught anything about your Christian life, I'm talking to you. I hope that's every one of you that you are a Christian teacher. Um, When Paul is addressing... Now, I have to do a little side note. I didn't put this in my notes, but in first service, I was reminded of this. But Paul is addressing the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had problems, okay? The Corinthian church, those were a bunch of hard-headed, knuckle-headed, rough-around-the-edges people. So you probably won't resonate with you. So if Paul could write us a letter... He would be like, look, you guys think y'all got it down? Look, let me show y'all some things. And he would say some things to us, specifically for us. The letter to the Corinthians, there were some things that were written specifically to the Corinthian church. So one of the things is that uh, he said women should be silent in church. Like, women used to talk a lot. But here's, here's how that happened. A lot of people take that one verse. You could take a single verse, take it out of context, and put it over here and say, I'm going to build my theology around this one verse. Well, that's actually not, that doesn't work. Because in the context, look, always remember when you're reading the Bible. The Bible was written for you. The Bible wasn't written to you. If you take the sermon I'm preaching today and you, you send it back 200 years, those people will be like, what is that guy talking about? This is, not, this is not relevant to us. So Paul, when he wrote the letter, was speaking to this specific church. There are some plenty of truths in that, in that letter that are timeless. But there are also some things that were very specifically written to this group. 
the way that the, the, the women should be silent in church, this is why I said that. So on one side of the church, all the women would sit. This is how it worked in their culture. All the women would sit. And on the other side, all of the men would sit. So the person would be up there speaking. And the, the woman, the, the wife, would have a question for her husband. And the wife would say, hey, what's he mean by that? And it would be very disruptive. So Paul said, listen, women. Shut up. He said it a nice way. He's like, women. You need to be silent in the church. And if you have a question about something, ask your husband at home. Don't ask him during church because it's going to be a disruption. It's in context. If you take it in context, you don't build your theology. The entire Bible. There are churches, a lot of churches, and a lot of denominations be like, women should never speak in church. Women need to be silent. They can teach the kids and the children because, I mean, the youth and the children because they're not that important, but they could never teach men. <laughs> man, any man in here, tell me you never learned anything from a woman. Well, your wife taught you something this morning, okay? Don't even. So they build entire denominations saying women just need to be silent because that's what the Bible says. Well, yeah, Paul said that to a specific group of people for a specific time because those women were being a disruption in church. And you have to read it in context. When you learn to read the Bible in context versus taking a, a, a random verse, the Bible is going to open up for you like you never thought it could. It's going to be so relevant to you because you'll be, you'll be reading it and say, oh, that's why it says that to those people. So Paul's talking to these people and he's like, look, they actually had all this madness going on during communion. Like the, the first people were coming and getting all the food and then the people were not able to eat at the end because they ate, ate it all. Like the, the, the religious leaders, they ate all the food. We used to do these like luncheons where everybody would bring a plate, like their favorite thing, and they would bring it before service, and they would sit, they would sit it out. We had people sitting it out, and then um, the people that got in there first would have these these piles on their plate, like these t- like just big pile of plates, like two hands to carry it plates, and they and then the people that that were hanging around talking, and they didn't get to the line first. They would come in and be like, "Man, all that's left is that that one casserole." Y'all know that casserole? Like nobody else got it because it's like, what's in there? It's like, is that dip? What is that? Is there hair in that? So that's what was happening in communion in the Corinthian church. And Paul's like, look, you guys have a problem. But here, let me, let me, let me address some of these issues. He says, for I received from the Lord, and then I delivered that to you. Here's what you need. This is from the Lord. So... How Paul indicates his source is from the Lord. So how does this happen? How does someone get something, get things from God and then teach those things? So um, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of my process on, of how I do it. This could be totally wrong, but this is what the Lord has given me to give to you. I need to be very clear on something before I even start to talk about something that I do. Remember that I am a straw. If you go, imagine it's a really hot summer day and you go and you get, you can have sweet tea or you can have root beer. What do you want, sweet tea or root beer? Sweet tea. Y'all are so Southern. So you get a, a nice cup of sweet tea and it's like you're, you're pouring with sweat and you go inside and you're like, oh, sweet tea, it's Chick-fil-A sweet tea, okay? The best kind, okay? Like, don't say Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Okay, Chick-fil-A, wonderful sweet tea. And you go and you take a sip. Oh, that is so good. You don't think, man, this is the best straw I have ever seen. This straw works so good. Thank you, straw. You know how often you come and thank me? for like, oh, that was such a good sermon. Shut up. Like, I'm a straw. I'm not... I'm not the goodness that you experienced. That was the Lord. So thank the Lord. Don't thank me. Save your breath. I'm not receiving your praises. This is not pastor appreciation life. Like, it's the Lord. You don't look in, you don't say, oh, the, you say the, the sweet tea. That sweet tea is so good. The Lord is so good. Not the straw is so good. So I'm going to let you in on the process of how I tap into the goodness that is the sweet tea of the Lord's word. The first thing 
and this may seem so obvious, the first thing is I start with prayer. You have to, if you're a teacher, you have to start with prayer. You have to say, Lord, you are invited in. Lord, come and do a work. Come and, and do a thing. It's, it's about you. Hide me behind the cross. And I just want people to see Jesus. And Jeremiah says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Hallelujah. The things which you do not know, if you're calling out to God, things you do not know. Understanding comes to a heart that is crying out to God for guidance. So it's not just prayer for wisdom and guidance, though. It is literally, for me, it is prayer for you. I pray for some of you specifically by name often because you need it. But I pray for, I pray for our church for you often. And that is how I know what to say. The prophet Samuel was speaking to, a, to the nation of Israel when he said, As for me, I certainly will not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. Prayer and teaching are connected. Literally, the Holy Spirit is here in this room right now because of prayer. That is the number one thing. I pray over every one of these chairs every week. Y'all need to fill them up. So more people can be filled with the Spirit. So see, I wasted my time praying over these empty chairs. I pray for this room that the Holy Spirit, I was joking, I didn't waste my time, that this room would be filled with His Spirit. If you lead or teach anywhere, anything, start, you would be wise to begin in prayer. Amen? The second thing is I study. I wish I studied more. Literally, I used to study more when I had a full-time job because now I'm a pastor and I don't have time to study anymore. <laughs> uh, you don't know this, but you see, y'all think, oh, he just works a little bit on Wednesday and then a little bit on Sunday. And the rest of his time, what's he do? He golfs. That's it. That's all he does. He's just free time all the time. Eat chicken and, and, and preach on Sunday. That's it. Running a church is very, very busy, all caps, B-U-S-Y, busy, busy, busy. I love it. I can't imagine doing something else. But So good teaching is like preparing a meal. The better the preparation, usually the better the meal, right? Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I spend my time in study. I spend in, in praying and studying um, and, and I, I could never, I would never say, okay, I've studied enough. I can't get enough of the word of God. I have this, you know, what Turkish delight is, it's like, that's the word of God for me. I can't, the more I eat, the more I want to eat. And then I want to eat more and I want to eat more. And I want to, sometimes it's, that's cost me because there have been times and I'm not holy just to be clear, but I'm pretty cool. So, um, there have been times where I'll start to read a little bit, and I've read the Bible. Like, I've read the Bible cover to cover many, many, many times because of this, what I'm about to tell you. So I'll start to read, and it'll be like 8 o'clock, 8 p.m., and I'm like, oh, I just want to look at this. I look at this verse that I just thought of, and I'll start to read that verse. I'm like, what is that talking about? So I have to read the context. When you get context, it's chapter before, that chapter, the chapter after. You, that's the only way to do it right, okay? So you have to read a lot to find out what one verse means, okay? So, and, and I start reading it, and then I'm like... What is, and I'll just keep reading, and I'll keep reading, and I'll keep reading, and I'll keep reading. And then I'll be like, I'm hungry. And I look up, and it's 3 a.m. And I'm like, no wonder I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in like 30 minutes or something. I don't know. And I, I have to eat. So, and, and I, just, I just get this hunger and this desire for the Word. And not just the Word, but studying what the Word is about. And that's how the goodness can pass through me to you. Because the Holy Spirit being in the room... I'm up here like going, blah, 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 and somehow that sound leaves my mouth and the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of it and he like shapes it. And by the time it hits your ear and it gets into your, your, your spirit and your soul, God makes it into, the Holy Spirit transforms it into something good that will change your life. And only he does that. And he only does that because of prayer. So the first thing is, is prayer. The second thing is study. And the third thing is the hardest one and it's waiting it's so hard to wait. Chewing and meditating and listening 
Because the whole message doesn't, I know y'all think this is how it works. Did I just sit there? I'm like, Lord, do your thing. And I have my hands over the keyboard, and then my fingers just start moving, and it's typing, typing words. First of all, I don't type like this. I type like this. Okay? <laughs> it takes me a long time. And, uh, and so I, whenever, I was in typing when I was in high school, and then I got in a fight. Um, I know, right? Your, your pastor used to get into fights. He used to, a long time ago. So I get, and I got in a fight, and I actually shattered all four of these bones, like all, broken in several places. You know how you get, they're called boxer's fractures. You know why they're called that? <laughs> right. So, and I, I broke all four of these bones fighting. So I was in typing, and they tried to keep me in typing, and I was like, this is stupid. I'm going to learn to type with one hand. So they put me as an office aide, and I was a junior, and all the rest of them were football seniors. And I, every day I would come in, and a different one of them would have the stapler, and they would go, pop! And they would pop my cast with the stapler, and the staples would come through and cut into my skin. It was fun. I loved that little semester of being a, an office aide. And then when they took the cast off, the, the, the doctor took the cast, he opened it up, and he goes, oh, what's wrong? What is that? And I said, staples, don't worry about it. Like it was just, they were picking on me. And that's why I'm like I am, guys. The message doesn't come just all of a sudden. Like I have to pray, I have to study, and then I have to wait and say, Lord, okay, have your way. Like what is it? What is it that you want to do? You have to give God a, a chance to respond to your prayer. How many times have you prayed and you're like, okay, well, it's not happening yet. It's just like when you do, like you do one ab workout and you look in the mirror, you're like, these my abs. Well, it takes some time. Like also abs are made in the kitchen. So um, <laughs> I only say that because y'all hate it. Okay. David said about a righteous man. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. A righteous man will meditate, spend time on the, the word of God. So prayer, study, waiting. And then the last one is probably the easiest one. I just tell stories from my life. That Did y'all know, you probably didn't know this, but did y'all know that I used to work for Chick-fil-A? Yeah, because I talk about it all the time, because that's where I've learned so many lessons about that. The, the Lord is, is continuing to redeem those things, continuing, continuing to teach me things. So I had stories from my jokes. I don't know if you all know that, too. Um, also, sarcasm, spiritual gift of sarcasm. And, uh, and I, I just teach from the things that I've learned as a pastor, and I've been a leader in many aspects, and in every group of people I've ever been in, I've been one of the leaders. And so uh, it's just because God's equipped me and, and, and given me the ability. And people listen when I talk. I don't know why, because uh, I don't listen to me. So uh, things, uh, and I'm just learning to apply the things that, that the Lord is, is speaking. So a teacher is supposed to set an example with their life, just like Jesus taught what God, uh, what God was like in, in the words that he said and also in deed. And Paul, in uh, Timothy, Paul said this. He said, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way that you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church and encouraging the believers and teaching them. How simple is that? That's like a formula for a pastor. This, if you don't have any other verses, like memorize this one because this tells you everything you need to know. Like, learn the Word, and then teach the Word. Learn the Word, and then teach the Word. Encourage the believers around you. Look, if you don't need to hear anything else today, encourage the other believers around you. That's what you're here for, to encourage the other believers around you. Before Paul encouraged Timothy in his teaching, he encouraged him to be an example. Be the example by living it out. If I was teaching on humility, if I was teaching on serving... And the people that I'm closest to were like, that guy never serves. That guy's not humble. How can he possibly? They, they're not going to learn anything from me. They will, they will actually, my friends are uniquely equipped to attack me often. If I say something that's not true, if I try to teach something that's not true, my good friends will make sure that I hear about that. And, and, and good, they should. If I say something that you believe I don't believe, then you, you feel free. This is your church. This is not your church. Be quiet. Go back to your church. But this is your church. Then feel free. Come and talk to me. Say, hey, look, I think you're out of line on that. That's fine. I'll tell you how you're wrong. So can, can the people who know you best stand to listen to you teach? 
if you do it, if you say something and you actually live that something out, if you, if you practice what you preach, then they will be able to listen. And I can tell you the people that are closest to me like to hear me preach. I don't know why, but they like to hear me preach because they know, if anything else, I'm authentic. I'm the same guy everywhere, for better or worse, or worse, or worse. I can say that the people that, that I spend the most time with believe the message that I'm preaching, and they know that I believe the message that I'm preaching. There are plenty of times where we have to teach about things that are beyond us, that are far beyond us. Don't front. Like, don't, don't say, oh, I, I, I know all this stuff. Like, I, remember, remember last week, or maybe it was two, last week I talked about the, does God choose us? Or do we choose God? Which is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's that. Wait, no, no, no. But I'm asking you, does God choose us or, or do we choose God? Which is it? Yes. Yes. How? I don't know. Like, I will not tell you I know. Somebody that tells you they know, I'm going to guarantee you this. If somebody says they know, they don't know. And that's how you can know that they don't know is because they say they know. You got it? I don't know. Good. Thanks, Troy. So the... You can't know, and it's okay not knowing. Just trust God to know. Does he know? Yes, he knows fully. He knows all the things. He is omniscient. He knows everything. And so let's just trust God to know the thing, and you don't have to try to feel like you have to carry all that and know all the things. So um, whenever he said, Jesus said, they have received, the word is lambano, and lambano means to take, to lay hold of, and to receive what is given. But it's more than just hearing a thing. It's actually learning the thing. We may, not, uh, we may not all be called to teach like I'm teaching right now. Maybe it would be terrifying if you were to come up here and stand here and, and look at these beautiful faces and say, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not equipped to teach these. Guess what? <laughs> Neither am I. I don't, it just keeps happening. I don't know why. So you just, maybe you're not someone that, that's called to teach a group. Maybe you're just called to teach your child. Maybe you're just called to, and if you have a child, you are. And if you're, maybe you're, you're supposed to help your spouse along the way. Maybe you have a coworker, just one person that you're supposed to help along the way. And, and so you are a Christian teacher, but we're all called to learn. Every one of us is called to learn at all times. There's a challenge for us who are being taught. Um, and so in the verse this last verse in John 17, 8, he actually gives us three things that we're challenged on. Um, the first one is that, that we have known, that we should know. Jesus' teaching brought the disciples to know who God is. Not just to understand the words that are, put, that are formed together to make a sentence, but to actually know who God is. And this, this knowledge is based on experience. And that experience is that, that they haven't just learned about God, but they've learned to know God by the words that Jesus said and the way that he lived. God, Jesus is, do you remember the time when Jesus went from being this far off concept, when Jesus was this guy that lived a few thousand years ago to when Jesus became real to you? You remember that when that happened? The, something like a, a, a switch flipped. And now Jesus is real to me. Do you, you remember when that happened? That's because you learned. You actually were taught by the word and it finally penetrated your heart. And you're like, oh, now I know what it means to know Jesus. That's something different. One of your life group questions this week is, how, how, what was the thing that, that, what was the catalyst that started that time when you knew you became to know Jesus. The second thing is, um, when he says surely, the word for surely there is alethos, and alethos is aletheia. Aletheia is truth, something that's true no matter what. And so if you look at the hypocritical Pharisees learned to cover up things. They learned to hide things. And the disciples were learning literally the opposite of that. If you look at the way culture does things, you can almost guarantee that if you flip it the other way, that's the way we're supposed to be. The culture does things the opposite of the way we're supposed to do things because the culture is being led by God's enemy. And the culture being led by God's enemy means that they're going to do things the opposite of the way that we should be doing them. So the disciples were not like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were learning to hide things and be hypocritical. The, the disciples were learning to uncover things, to uncover truth. 
They're learning to uncover truth in the Word for themselves and, and, and learn to follow God and, and what it means to follow Him. If there's one thing that we get, one thing that, that Life Church gets, it's transparency and authenticity. And not just me up here talking about transparency and authenticity. We are people who are transparent and authentic. Like, nobody's going to come in here and be like, whoa, look at all those holy people. <laughs> They're going to come in here and be like, they are like me. I, they're, they're sheep. They're sheep like me. Black sheep. Outcasts. Like, y'all are black sheep. We're black sheep, right? And we all are like this big black sheep pen that is like all of the people that nobody else wanted. We're here together, and we want each other. We are a family. We have been called for such a time as this, and we're going to do the mission that God has called us to do, Right? In truth, we learn the truth. And the third thing is that they believed. The disciples have come to trust in Jesus and who he is. For you, you don't need to come and trust a human teacher. Again, I'm a sheep with a loud bell. And just follow me as I follow Christ. You need to trust Jesus. Don't trust me. Test me. Every time you hear, hear me preach a word, you test that against the word of God. You find out what the Word of God says. You find out what the Lord is saying to you about the things that I'm teaching. Any judgment of my holiness that you have, any judgment of my holiness or my ability or my lack of holiness, any, any of those judgments, those are premature judgments because God is not done with me yet. He's still working on me. So any judgment that I have on you, any condemnation that I have on you, that's premature because God's not done with you yet. He's still working on you. I'm a, a, a sheep at work, a black sheep at work, becoming white because of the purity. He's washed me white as snow. And I'm becoming purer and purer as I lay things down at his feet. And don't pick up the things that are me, but I pick up the things that are him. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's all I ask. Follow me as I follow Christ. When people come to church and they say, you know, I really didn't get anything from that sermon. Or, I love that. I love it when people say that to me. I love it. <sighs> or they say things like, you know, I had to stop going to church over there because I just wasn't being fed. Or those people over there are, y'all have never heard that before, right? You know, it's not, the, it's not the pastor's job to feed you. Did you know that? It's not the church's job to feed you. We have this, um, this meal that was prepared called the Word of God, and it is your job to feed yourself. It's nobody else's job to feed you. I come up here and I prepare you one meal. This is one meal, but you have the ability and the expectation that you would feed yourself, so you should be in the Word yourself. When people say, uh, you know, those people over there were just too shallow. I'm, I need something deeper. I need meat, and they just preach milk over there. One of my favorite things is when people say, yeah, I just didn't get anything out of that worship. <laughs> I, when people say I didn't get anything out of worship, that shows me something about them. Did you, did you ever have this thought that maybe worship wasn't for you? <laughs> like worship's not about you getting something because they didn't come up there and work on the songs so that you could get something out of worship. That worship was, newsflash, this story's not about you. It's about Jesus. And so if you, I would actually say, if you got something out of worship, you took something that wasn't yours. That was for Jesus. That worship was all for Jesus. So as you draw close to Jesus, maybe he gives you something. But if you're getting something out of these people singing up here, wait, that's not yours. Put that back. Give that to him. And you give yourself in worship, you will learn something all new. And we're like, like I, I, y'all are seeing like, you know, I lift my hands in worship and I look around the room and it's like, <laughs> liars? <laughs> like you just sang, I lift my hands in worship, but like three of you are actually doing it. Like, act the words out. Lift your hands in worship, see what happens. Like, and I know there's a lot of you, are, you come from different types of church backgrounds and you're just not somebody that, that does those kinds of things. If they say, if you like the police come up to you and like, put your hands up, you're going to be like, mm. Hands up, don't shoot. <laughs> if you put your hands up, 
That's surrender. I wonder what would happen if you, in worship, surrendered. Something will happen in you. I remember the first time I raised my hands. I remember, and, and it, it marked me. There was something different that happened in my worship life whenever I raised my hands. I, it's a simple thing. We talked about posture last week, a, a prayer posture. Worship posture is the same thing. If you will physically put yourself in a different posture, you'll find something happens in your spirit, and it's a really good thing. But when people say, have you ever considered like all of the places that you've had problems with, all the churches that you've had problems with, all of the jobs that you've had problems with has one common denominator. It's you. So if all of the places you've gone, there's been a problem with it, and you've been there every time, there's a possibility, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but there's a possibility that maybe you're the problem. Maybe it's, I'm not saying there aren't problems. Every time you get people together, there's going to be problems. It's just, we're all messed up people. We're all trying to learn. So maybe you should start with, Lord, is it me? Am I the problem here? Is there something more you want me to do? Just start with yourself. Start with examining your own heart. When so Eli is, uh, the old priest Eli in the Old Testament, he's actually, he's, he's talking to Samuel. Samuel's this young person that's called by God, a prophet called by God. And he goes, he hears someone speak, Samuel, Samuel, and he gets up and he runs to, runs to Eli, who's training him to be, uh, to be a prophet. And, and, and he wakes up Eli, what? What do you want? And Eli's like, bro, don't wake me up. I'm trying to sleep here. Leave me alone. It wasn't me. I wasn't calling you. Go back to bed. So, so, um, Samuel goes back to bed, and then it happens again. And he goes in there, Eli, Eli, what? What do you want? You're calling me, Samuel, Samuel. And he says, no, it wasn't me. Go back to bed, and don't wake me up anymore. And so he goes back to bed one more time. Eli, you're calling me, what? And he says, he, he says look, the next time that happens, that's the Lord talking to you. The next time that happens, this is what I want you to do. I want you to just say, Lord, that you speak your servant is here. Your servant listens. I am listening to you. God, speak. Growing as a disciple doesn't come from having a good teacher. It's just a very small part. What I'm doing now is a very small part of you growing as a disciple. It comes from you being a good learner, and it comes from you being a good listener, and it comes from you being a good doer. It's not a word. It comes from you being a good a doer of the things that you are learning. So, Ask yourself, am I hungry to know, meaning am I hungry to truly experience God? And then I would say, how hungry are you? Are you hungry enough to, in worship, lay aside your pride? Because your pride is the only thing that's stopping you from doing this little thing. You think, oh man, people are going to look at me. No, they're not. They're not because they might be doing it too. And even if they do look at you, how hungry are you? to want more and to experience more of God. Are you hungry enough? And then, am I ready to hear the truth about who God is, but not only who God is, but who I truly am? What does God say about me? Because you believe things about yourself that are just absolutely not true. The only way to know truly who you are is to find out what God says about you. Because He's the one that created you. He's the one that enables you. He's the one that's gifted you. And so ask yourself, am I ready to find out who God is and who I am, the truth about who I am? And am I ready to trust God with more of my life? You can say you are, but really, really, when you lay your head down on the pillow and there's nobody else that's in your mind knowing what you're thinking, are you really willing to lay down all of the things all of the things that have been entangling you, all of the traps that the enemy has put there to ensnare you, are you willing to lay all of those things down so that you can have more of God in your life? Because if you are, sign up. We need you. Life Church needs you to accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for your loving kindness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the way that you just, you lavish your love, your love out on us, Lord. We don't deserve it, but you continue to do it. Lord, unite this body as one. 
that we would understand the, the urgency with which we need to be walking out this mission, that the times are darkening and we will continue to be the light, that when trouble comes, and we know that it will, that we are ready, that we are ready to train up more and more disciples, more and more people, more and more warriors to run alongside of us, that we can do all the things you've called us to do. You are so good, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.